Come, Holy Spirit. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls on fire. Please be seated. <coughs> That'll suck you out of the room. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Good morning. Boy, what a weird reading from Luke. What a strange reading. Commending somebody for dishonest behavior? Really? Wow, I think I might be able to succeed at something. <laughs> what a strange, strange thing. Uh, remember Andrew Carnegie? Remember the name? Right? An industrialist, millionaire, very successful. Somebody supposedly came to Andrew Carnegie one time and, and asked him, how is it that you managed to get 20 millionaires to work for you? 20 millionaires. Because at that time, right, million dollars, that's, that's a lot of money, right, even now. But he had these millionaires working for him, and, and so this person came with this question, kind of assuming that they were millionaires when he found them and brought them aboard, but that was not the case. And so, so you know, Carnegie responded to him, I go, oh, no, they, you're mistaken. They, they became millionaires while they worked here. I said, well, how did that happen? He goes, well, this is, this is what happened. I looked for the best in them and encouraged them to do their best at what they were best at. And I think about the wisdom of that. The wisdom of that is, and this comes from, some of us just came back from a, uh, from, from a, a few days away at a monastery where the, the monks shared with us the spirituality of imperfection. And so I think about Andrew Carnegie that says, you know, these people were not perfect, right? It's not perfect people that succeed and become millionaires. It's, it's imperfect people that find the best and somebody sees what is best in them. Not perfection, but just something that is excellence and they give their best at it. So what does that have to do with, with Luke? Well, for one thing, you know, biblical scholars, people looking at this, this parable from Luke and, and how Luke pieced this together, we're in the 16th chapter of, of the Gospel of Luke, and for 2,000 years, people have been trying to figure out, what is Luke talking about? What does this parable mean? And I think, again, the best we can do is try to do our best at understanding, knowing that nobody yet has figured out perfectly what Luke is up to. In fact, this might show us that Luke is not perfect. <laughs> Luke has been telling these, these parables right before this about lostness. It's a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son, two lost sons. And now he tells us a story about some unjust steward, this manager who's been stealing from his employer and has called out on it and decides the way he's going to make this right is by stealing some more. And the manager goes, wow, that's pretty shrewd. <laughs> that's pretty shrewd. Can we look at people around us and accept that they're not perfect? Can we expect less from each other than perfection? Can we expect that from ourselves? Or do we hold ourselves to such a high standard of perfection that when we look at other people, we can't stand them because they remind us of ourselves? <laughs> Right? We get caught up in that. 
Maybe, maybe, here's, maybe here's why Luke puts this parable where he does. Because it follows the parable of the prodigal son. Most of us are familiar with that, right? Just as a reminder, right? This, this man has two sons, and, and the younger one comes to him and says, you know, I know, I know by, by custom, right? By, by our customs, you're supposed to in, inherit dad when you die, but I don't want to wait for that because, you know, you might live a long time, right? And I might be too old to have any fun with all this wealth. So why don't you go ahead and give me mine now? And the dad doesn't. Like, well, what's up with that? Who's that dad? <laughs> And the sun goes out and squanders, squanders, wastes it all. And you think about that, right? It's about, it's about somebody squandering wealth, and, and this, this parable of the unjust steward is also about somebody who has access to wealth, right? In, case, in this case, it's the owner's wealth, and the other one is the father's wealth, but, but somebody has access to it. And rather than being a good steward with it, what are they doing? Squandering. Right? It's the same word used in both stories. Squandering wealth. Squandering. Squandering. No. Maybe that's why he put it there. It has something to do with squandering. But, but it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. That son ends up out in this place far from home where, you know, he's been to Vegas. He's been to Key West. Right? He's bought expensive cars. He's wrecked them all. You know, and now he's broke. I bet he doesn't have any friends anymore now that he's broke, right? Isn't that the way it works? Fun while it lasted, now it's all gone. And he finds himself feeding the pigs. You know, and if he was a good Jewish boy, that'd be kind of a hard thing. <laughs> now he got to work feeding the pigs. And he goes, you know what? I, this is, I wish I had the, the, the stuff the pigs were eating. That's how bad it was for him, that he was wishing that he had their food. That's how bad things have gone. That's how he has squandered so much. Boy, what a horrible guy. What a, what a hard person to relate to. <laughs> no, maybe not so much. And then he says to himself, notice that the unjust steward, he's in a bind, he's in a difficult place. He's trying to figure out what his way forward is. He's lost his position. He's not strong enough to dig, and Mama would roll over in his grave if he went out begging. He can't do either of those. He's as dead as that son was dead, at a dead end. And he has this internal dialogue about, oh, I know what I'm going to do, right? And, and we see what the unjust steward does, right? But he's talking to himself, and that son, that son has this, this, this internal dialogue where he goes, here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. I'll go back to my dad and I'll offer myself as a hired hand. This is his plan, right? This is his plan. I'll go back and I'll just kind of throw myself in the mercy of my dad and, and go, you know, I'll, I'll work for you, dad. I'll, I'll live out in the bunkhouse, you know, would you just give me a job, right? And, and that's his plan. We hear the unjust steward say, you know, yeah, I'm thinking of what I'll do. Um, I will... Reduce these people's debt. I'll do something for them, and they'll they'll bless me when I lose my, or maybe they'll bless me when I lose my job. They'll, they'll give me a place to live, right? He's also looking for a place to live. He's trying to secure his future. You know when that young guy in that parable, the prodigal son, when he comes home, he's like, you know, he's got some old beat up car, smoking everything coming out the back, and he rolls up into his dad's driveway, and he's gonna like go manipulate his dad into going, yeah, I'm back. Can I get a job? 
doesn't work for you now and kind of live out in the, you know, in the smokehouse. And, and, and before he can say the first thing, his dad jumps in the window and grabs him by the neck. I love you, son. You're home. Dad forgives him before he says anything, before he can connive, because he's not really changed, has he? He's not changed at all. But what he is doing, he's making the best of his options. Can you give him credit for that? As wasteful as he has been, can you at least give him credit for having enough sense when everything falls apart, he goes to his father. Goes to his father. That's pretty shrewd, isn't it? Kind of hard for parents to, no matter what your kids do, and some of us might go, well, no matter what I did, my parents took me back. Isn't that, isn't that great? A lot of grace in that. A lot of forgiveness in that. Because the father looks at his son and goes, you know, I, I know this kid. I know what he's done. I know he's coming back to get in good with me. I, I know what he's like. He's not changed. There's nothing in that story about the kid having this great mea culpa and coming back going, oh, I'm going to go back and just like beg forgiveness. He's not doing that at all. But his father gives him credit for doing something. He looks for the best in his son. Not the worst, but the best. Because he knows that his son is not perfect. His son is imperfect. And if we're waiting for perfection from other people before we forgive them, keep waiting. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. When we forgive others, when we forgive others, don't think that your forgiveness has to be perfect. Because you'll never get there. You'll never get there. You know, when, when, when Jesus' disciples come to him and say, you know, uh, Lord, if somebody offends against us, how many times do we have to forgive them? Because the custom would have been three times. And then after that, you don't have to forgive them anymore. And Peter says, hey, how about seven? And Jesus goes, no, seven's not going to get you there because you're imperfect, Peter. How about 70 times seven? Maybe then you start approaching something called forgiveness. Because we are imperfect. I think it's our imperfection that expects other people to be more than who they are. And I think it's our imperfection that keeps us from forgiving as much as we should. And so this broken father who perhaps was overly permissive, that raised the son up who ended up squandering this wealth, recognizes we're all imperfect beings. But in that, what we should do is not look for what is the worst in the other person, but seek what is best in them and encourage them as best as you can. Forgive them as you can, not as you can't. And so the story of this unjust steward, he is in a difficult place like that young man. But he's smart. And he goes, okay, this is my best option. My best option. It's not to hang on to the wealth that I have. He'd probably been overcharging people, and he's reducing these debts. He might be giving away what was his commission on collecting the debt. And perhaps that is what he is giving away. He's forgiving debts. 
That's never a bad thing. He can't forgive them fully. He doesn't have the ability to do that. Maybe there's some deep meaning in that, that he can forgive them halfway or 20% of the way, but he can't forgive them yet fully. And maybe one day he can, but he's not perfect. He's not perfect. And he does that because just like the son, he knows there is something more important than wealth, and that is relationships. The son says, I'm going back to my dad. I'm going to try to rebuild this relationship as best as I can. And the father recognizes that and grabs him by the neck and says, you're my son, welcome home. Because that's what matters. As dysfunctional as our family is, as messed up as I've made you as a father, and all the things you've done, that relationship I have with you is more important than all the gold in the world. And that manager knows the same thing. Because that wealth, right, that is a temporal thing. That's something that's going to run out. And he knows that, and he chooses the better thing. Forgiving people's debts that he might himself be forgiven. He's been ripping people off. He's been overcharging them for things. And these are now the people that he needs for his own life. And he does what he can do to try to rebuild that, as imperfect as he is. The brothers talked with us about forgiveness. And I'll leave this with you. You know in the Lord's Prayer we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us? Here's how they explain that. If you do not forgive people, as imperfect as that is, right? We accept that. If you do not forgive people, that means you do not believe in forgiveness. If you don't do it even as imperfectly as you are and forgive them as they are, not expecting full contrition or perfect harmony afterwards, but if you do not forgive, it means that you do not believe in forgiveness. And if you do not believe in forgiveness, you cannot receive forgiveness. So as the imperfect people we are this day, if a wayward son knows this, if an unjust, scheming, scandalous manager knows this, how much more so us who call ourselves children of God?